Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. Today we have with us a special guest, Marie Selleck. Marie is a licensed therapist and empowerment coach for women who want to heal from the impacts of emotionally unavailable mother. She focuses on empowering women to recognize that their worth is not determined by their mother's reactions, affection, or approval, but is determined by how they wholeheartedly live out their values. Marie helps women gain a deeper understanding of how the attachment to an unhealthy mother can lead to challenges with self-esteem, boundaries, and relationships as well as how to redefine themselves the way they want to be, connected to their own emotions so they can live their most sincere life. Sounds absolutely amazing. I believe, Marie, we all want to do this. So welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to have you here. So tell me, what you, how did you get into this field of what, you do, what you're doing today? Yeah, so um, I've been a licensed therapist for about seven years. And, um, I began my own, my going to therapy. I'd been in therapy a lot as a kid, you know, on and off, but I, I began my own like choice therapy, um, about the same time I started grad school and really came to terms with that. I had an emotionally unavailable father. And so, you know, did some stuff, worked on some stuff, created boundaries, all that. But then through my work as a therapist, I encountered um, a woman, one woman after another, after another, trying to work on other stuff. And I found that I was able to work with them and some of the information I was giving them, they had never received elsewhere. And I was getting a lot of like aha moments. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm giving them something that they didn't know they needed. I didn't know I had, um, which of course I used like empathy from my own experience to really connect with them and help them process through things, um, grieve, grow. And so through the years, I've, I've continued to see this pattern of being able to work with these women um, in a therapeutic setting. And so I decided to move over into the coaching world and really create a 12-week program which is expediated he healing versus like the women women I work with it taking two or three years of therapy to really solidify all that healing I decided to move over and make it a really streamlined process and help these women move move through their healing faster okay so what type of women would come to you like what what so, issues would they be having do you pick them from your therapy group or do you have a new group nope nope so so just due to licensing stuff clear line, right? Is no, nobody who comes into therapy can work with me in coaching. Nobody who comes into coaching can work with me in therapy. Um, but the women who find me are there have it's, it's at, at its root, it's self-esteem. Um, we're looking at emotional neglect. So there are no actual diagnoses in the DSM five therapy world for emotional neglect. They might manifest in maybe some personality disorders, 
um, maybe they become more predisposed for PTSD and other kinds of things. Um, But really at its core, when you're not treated as a priority as a child, you develop what's called a core belief. And this is one belief. It's a lens through which you see your entire world. This belief is I'm not good enough. I wasn't good enough to be a priority. I wasn't good enough for attention. All of it is I'm not good enough. So brain, lens, you see the world, and then you're constantly battling this belief of not good enough. So you take them through in 12 weeks and they come out of there feeling good enough. I call, I like to, I actually did a live one time called I've got the not enoughs and it's not good enough, not smart enough, not funny enough, not pretty enough, not blah, 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 blah. And it's so damaging and everything that happens around you happens because of that core belief. So what are some, what are some things that you would, I mean, I'm not going to obviously have you run through your 12 week program, but what are some of the modalities that you use in this program? Yeah. So, so a lot of, so first of all, I do a lot of mindfulness and in body work. So nervous system work. And the reason is, is you can't move on to the, to the cognitive brain work unless you do the body work. So I talk about scaling emotions. A big part of this is when you grow up being not enough, you don't talk about emotions. You grow up in a family that doesn't talk about hard things. It's happy, sad, scared, um, angry. Those are the emotions, right? So I teach people to scale their emotions on one to 10. We talk about how to catch lower levels so that um, you can prevent getting upset and blowing up. Um, I'm rebranding right now to work on parenting, helping a mother parent who's grown up with an emotionally unavailable mother. So doing the nervous system stuff, calming the body. So less blowups, less irritation, um, less feeling overwhelmed. And then we go into the cognitive work. So the brain work of there are these beliefs that you have, right? The I'm not good enough. I help people break those apart. The I'm a burden, break those apart, right? This is where not only society gives us mom guilt, but then on top of that, you give this layer of of I'm not good enough, mom guilt and everything else in regards to parenting gets harder and harder. So then we really go in and we pull apart those beliefs. I I pull out accuracies and inaccuracies, mostly inaccuracies. And as you change the way you think about yourself, your feelings about yourself change. You feel better about yourself. You feel more confident. You feel like you're seeing what you do well a lot more than you're seeing mistakes. Absolutely. And I feel like if you literally, I mean, I picture me going back 30 years ago when I started this whole healing journey, I was a hot freaking mess. I mean, I had emotionally unavailable, both parents, um, alcoholics, abusive, the, the whole nine yards. And I feel like literally had I known about coaching back then, if you had just said, I'm a self-esteem coach, I would have been like, pick me. I'm your girl, like, because you do, you, you know, and it starts when you're, yo, like itty bitty, you know, it started, it probably started for me in my mother's womb when she was like, oh, she, I mean, dreaded her pregnancy, did cocaine all through her pregnancy because she was so distraught that she was pregnant. So that can't have good energy in itself. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons I work specifically with women 
because trauma begins in utero. So cortisol levels, so the stress hormone goes up, you have higher rates of predisposition for um, for for further traumas, for um, problems with complex thinking, all those kinds of things. And so women need are the ones who really, I want to focus on to break this generational cycle. They also continue to be the primary caregivers in the home, right? They're the primary caregivers for these kids. So they're also the primary role models, even if you have another parent in the home. Absolutely. It's funny that you said that it's yeah, because I always said like my mom was the abusive one, but yet she was still trying to function. She was still trying to be that one there for me where my dad was off working and doing, you know, doing what he had to do, which, you know, in retrospect was probably the worst thing that could have happened. I would have been better off if my mom was working and, (laughs) you know, so you work primarily with, do you work with the family unit or just the mom's just the moms. Yep. Just the moms individually. So, so working on really healing all of the junk so that these triggers and these beliefs about yourself do not get passed on to your kids. So as much as we'd love to believe, do what I say, not what I do. Kids just absorb patterns, right? If they are raised around a mom who has low self-esteem, lack of confidence, They will see that and go, how do I talk to people? Okay, mom does it this way, right? And it's not something they even think consciously. They just learn patterns. And so it's breaking the mom's pattern so that they can be examples for their kids. And then also verbally teach. Absolutely. Because modeling is everything. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely everything. Yeah. I can say to my kids all the time, you know, be confident, be, be secure, be this. But if you're out there and you're hiding and you're not even making eye contact when you're teaching them how to be confident and secure, they read so much into that. Well, and there's so much that's holding kids back, right? I mean, you, you think about confidence, um, the amount that they battle in social media and comparing themselves to others, right? Is you you know, start early and start often, but start with yourself. Absolutely. I I love that saying comparison is the thief of joy. And it's awful. Talk more, talk a little bit more, like how would you help someone that you know is doing that is looking at that person comparing? What are maybe a couple tips? Oh, absolutely. So we call this assumptions. Okay. Or jumping to conclusions. Okay. What you're doing is you're taking what, what you see in someone's life And you're assuming all the background information, right? Oh, they look happy. Oh, they look confident. Oh, they have the perfect life. And really, it's pointing out, well, what do you not know about this person? You don't know if they've ever experienced trauma. You don't know if their marriage is unstable. You don't know if there's an addiction that somebody in their family is struggling with. And so you automatically believe, oh, my God, they're happy. Or like this is kind of the Facebook thing. Every Nobody posts bad photos, right? Or like unhappy photos. I do. <laughs> you know, most of people, they're just like, oh, my God. Like they just look like they have such a great life. And it's like, yeah, but it, that's a snapshot. That's a second in time. That's not 20 years, 30 years. And so it's. You just don't know. And so don't assume somebody else's life is happier just because you see a smile on their face or that they're not struggling with self-esteem just because they look gorgeous. Right. 
Well, and I, I tend to feel like I know even when I was at my lowest, it was that facade I put on because I didn't want people to know about my world. So I could have been suicidal at my therapist five times a week. But I'll tell you what, when I was out and about in front of people, I was the happiest go lucky person in the world. So that's why I like to tell people, you know, treat every everybody with empathy, treat everybody with compassion because you don't know their lives. And you just don't know, you know, you see that sad person and you want to like, it's like, don't pity them, just talk to them. You know, where at the same time you see a happy, I I truly believe, I know there's millions of people walking out there right now with the biggest smile on their face because they've been told, well, your brain can't smile and be unhappy at the same time. So they're just constantly toxic positivity is a real thing and it's worse. It's the worst avoidance. It's avoidance of feelings, right? It's toxic positivity is just as bad as, as depression because you're still avoiding feeling the range of of feelings. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's funny. I remember my very first therapist and she said, well, how does that make you feel? And I, I don't literally, I was like, feel, I was 26. And I was like, what do you mean feel? She's like, you know, mad, angry. Nah, nah, nothing. That's nothing, a problem. nothing. And she was like, okay, <laughs> let's start there. And, and it, you know, <clears throat> and I tell people, even with, you know, when you're supposed to be meditating, maybe you say, I'm going to set aside five minutes for that meditation. Maybe that's not what you need that day. Maybe you need to put a pillow over your face and scream. And I'm like, if that's what you need, that's, that's your, that's your meditation that day. It's a lot of self-talk. It's, it's telling yourself I'm frustrated right now. Before you get to a 10, you can say it at a three or a four, but there's so much disconnect with this stuff because As a child, you had to numb in order to survive. You had to attach to a parent that was unhealthy for the purpose of survival. And if you were to feel your range of feelings, you wouldn't be able to stay in that environment because there's what's called a recoil effect. You put your hand on a stove, your hand starts to burn, you run away. The gut feeling, right? Something's unsafe. Well, you constantly have the gut feeling when you grow up in that environment. So you actually have to numb the gut feeling. So some of the work I do is helping people start to read their gut feeling and not talk themselves out of their gut feeling, which is really common. Well, this is just me. I'm crazy or I, it's just me. It's like, no, what is your gut telling you? How, what is the feeling? What is the thought, right? The all of the kind of the stages of figuring out. Oh yeah. And I, I think awareness is like 99.9% of the key because you, you don't, sometimes you don't even know you're aware. So it, it's like when you have that feeling and you go, Oh, it's like, okay, stop. That's always my thing. Like I don't react anymore. I just stop, breathe. Where do I feel it? Why do I feel it? Or why don't I feel it? Mm-hmm. And just awareness. So you talked about, I know you talked about the body connection. I mean, I'm a firm believer and you got to coordinate the body, mind and spirit all together, all at one, one cohesive unit working together. So you start with the body. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, we start with values because values are actually at the core of your gut. So we start with values. We go into understanding history and understanding adaptations, right? What are the behaviors that came out of your mom wound, right? Right. Then we go into um, the body work and then we go into the brain work 
And then we go into taking all of it and applying it to boundaries, communication, parenting. Um, what do healthy relationships look like? Unhealthy relationships. And then, of course, how to take care of yourself without guilt and shame. Mm, that's a huge one, too, because you have that guilt and shame all over the place. You have it for not being, and that comes from the not enoughs. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, and guilt is a feeling that only comes from you telling yourself you're doing something wrong. And so most of the time you have to go backwards and say, what are you telling you're doing wrong? Telling yourself you're doing wrong. Is it actually wrong? Right. 99% of the time it's not wrong. It's been conditioned to tell yourself it's wrong. I actually was speaking to a friend the other day and she had this guilt that she'd been carrying with her for years about something and I finally was like, well, what do the people on the other side say? And they said, oh, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I said, well, then we got to find a way to let it go because it's just at this point, a wasted emotion. You yeah. did you purposely, I always say that to myself, if I get that twinge of guilt, like, did I purposely do that? It's all, it's intention. Intention, yeah, intention is the key to guilt. Did you intend the outcome or the harm? No, then it's not guilt. Right that it's not worthy of guilt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because it's, yeah. and it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. And even, especially when you're talking about a parent, I mean, you deal with parents and your child does one thing wrong or something and you, or says a, the first bad word. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm a bad mom. I, I can't believe that. And then you're thinking, wait, I don't think, you know, you have to stop and go, have I even said that word? It's like, oh no, yeah. You well. automatically, especially with this stuff and parenting, you automatically absorb anything negative as something you've caused. Mm -hmm. And so that influences your parenting. There's a lot of um, over parenting with this stuff because not only are you, do you absorb everything as it's your fault, but you're also overcompensating by trying to not be your mom. Yes. And so that causes problems with boundaries, problems with discipline, right? The fear of if I discipline my child, they're not going to love me or I'm not going to be connected to them. Or if I don't solve their fe their hard feelings, then, then I'm a bad mom. Instead of teaching them to sit through hard feelings, feel them and just saying I'm here or noticing the the actual factual proof that your kids are connected to you. Exactly. And just the, just the hard feelings is a big one. I know we are conditioned as a society. If our child cries in the store for whatever reason, we're Shh, just stop, right. you know, don't be upset. There's nothing to be upset about. And I don't know how many times I've heard, you know, I did it when my kids were little and I'm guilty oh, yeah. of it. And, you know, and, and again, there comes that word guilty of it. But I, I did it. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't do it. They've they know why I did it. I mean, we've I've been very open with my children my whole life. But it's you were conditioned. You you recognize yeah, that wasn't great. But like you can't sit in shame or guilt forever. You correct. You explain to your kids. They understand. Yeah. And I think the emotions is and you probably it's very hard as a parent, especially as a new parent who is never allowed to express emotions to let their children just be, you know, it's, yeah. it's very hard. What are some tips that you would suggest maybe to get them going in that process? If they're watching now and they go, wow, I could really use what she has, but 
what's a, a number one starting tip? Like just something they could start doing simple. Step away. I know this is probably used a lot, but if you're sitting in chaos and your kids are running around and it's just, you feel crazy, pull in your other parent if you have one and you step away or you take a deep breath, you sit down, right? You just, it's okay that life is crazy, but you have to sit there and go, okay, I'm getting frustrated. This is okay. This isn't going to last forever. It's not the result of me doing anything wrong. This is a stage. Absolutely. So we grew up, I mean, I think I was the first generation. I'm in my mid fifties. So I think I was like the first generation where it wasn't the old school, quote unquote, children are to be seen and not heard. So it was more the, the healthy families of my generation were seen and heard, but the unhealthy ones were not. What do you think about that theory? Oh, you know, absolutely is, is we are noticing just in, in even the therapy world, right? is teaching parents how to have conversations with their kids and listen to their kids versus shun them or automatically they won't understand, right? Is have those hard conversations, explain the feelings instead of saying, you know, just go that way, go over there, right? Go up to your room, go outside, right? Push away the feelings is acknowledge and listen. Okay. And then how does that equate to people that are older? Say they're in their thirties, but they're still a child of a parent. That parent is still there. What do you suggest for that? Do you work what do you with mean? Um, So say I'm 30 and my mom is 60 and is still kind of in that, like I'm trying to mend that relationship, mend that being able to talk to her. Do you have any suggestions for that? Um, adjust your expectations. Perfect. So when you go to her, think beforehand what it is you need. If you need emotional validation and she cannot provide that, that is not the call you should be making. Right. You really have to be clear with your mom at this point is... Don't expect to change. You need to really listen to yourself and what you need. Don't call her hoping for this. Fan- I call it the fantasy mom, mm-hmm. right? This maternal, really like comforting mom. You really have to be realistic. And if you ex- if you adjust your expectations, there's less disappointment and less self blame of I should have known. You know, nothing's changed. Right. So think about it beforehand. Right. And that's a very, you know, that goes back to, I believe what you think in the whole thing is that it's all it's in here. You have to look in here because um, I love that when you said just you don't expect people to change. And I think that's a huge even though it was a very simple statement, it was a very powerful statement for everybody and everything you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. You're not going to I've had to do it with my own with my own parents is I've absolutely had to adjust expectations. Don't call for certain conversations because it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about them. And so really adjusting needs to pivot to somebody else who I know I can get what I need when I call. Well, yeah. And uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. Absolutely. Yes. And why set yourself up? Yeah. 
Yeah. Who wants to set themselves up knowing you're going to make this phone call and you know exactly what you're going to get, you know, exactly. But there's always that glimmer of hope, of course, that that person will change on their own because I, it's funny watching people go through this process of healing. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm healed. Why isn't everybody around me? Like, why isn't everybody around? (laughs) Oh, it's, it is literally, you can't unsee it. The women in my coaching, my coaching program go through that constantly. I mean, have all these conversations about how people just start falling off and your tolerance for dysfunction goes way down, mm-hmm. right? As people you didn't realize were dysfunctional, you start seeing the dysfunction and you're like, I just don't have the energy. And right. so that's part of the energy balancing too, right? Well, now, now you have more energy for your kids and your family and healthy relationships. So talk a little bit more about that, about letting go of those toxic people, because that is huge in any healing, any healing situation. Yeah. So what typically happens, at least what I see with my women is as they go through the program, um, it really just happens is it's this, we call it this process of falling off and it, it seems really hard in the beginning. But then as it happens for these women, is they're like, oh, each one gets easier and easier because I'm really saving my energy for what I want it to go Mm -hmm. to and just not putting it into something I don't want. So it's the first one might be hard, but every single one of them, it's just a pretty natural process of no, thank you. Right. And you, you know, as you start to feel better about yourself, you're not going, you just by nature gravitate away from that toxicity. You, once you start getting better, you know, at first you're drawn to it because it's comfortable and your brain knows it and you're familiar. And, you know, I, you know how to react, you know how to react when there's toxic people around you because you're used to it and familiar with it. So exactly. Yes. It's so interesting because um, I I teach boundaries later in the program, but by the time the women in the program get there, they're they're already doing pretty good with boundaries because they're starting to listen to their gut and they're starting to listen to their value, and so it just solidifies skills when they get there. But they're already doing it by the time that part of the program comes. Right, and if you're working, you said you work on the value part first. Well, if they realize they have value then boundaries is a natural process to be like, wait a minute, I'm worthy to not, you can't do that to me. You know, if you have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You feel gross when you do not live your values. And so when you first go over them and pull them apart, every single time the woman's like, oh my God, I am not living my values. And you go, well, no wonder you feel like crap. Right. So what do we do about that? This consciousness comes up and they're like, okay. And as you go through, you're like, oh, right. My value is this. This is why my gut feeling is telling me this. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Um, I love, I love what you do. I love that you do it in 12 weeks. I think that's super cool. You know, Um, like you said, in therapy, you could talk to the same person once a week, twice a week for years and Uh, you know, and everybody watching these things, a lot of the name of the podcast obviously is child of dysfunction. So it's all people that have been, that have had these things from different situations. So, and I always say, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's addiction or alcoholism or any kind of addiction, or whether it's just homelessness or poverty or money problems, 
yeah, anything affects that emotional connection with your parents, because if your parents are struggling, they're not there for you mentally. And like you said, so you you're working with the parents so that they're mentally there and ready to take on everything, you know, their, their wellness is there so they can into by default, help their children and be there emotionally. That's awesome. Exactly. Awesome. So what does it look like to work with you? Like, how do they get hold of you? The, uh, we're going to put all of the links and show notes and everything else, but what would you say is the easiest and quickest way to reach out to you? You just reach out to me over email. I have a website and you can, if you're interested in knowing more about the program, you can actually book a, a free consult to talk about it right there on my website. You can reach out to, to me over email. Um, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Perfect. And also one last question, because I like to ask everybody this, if you could give a little bit of words of wisdom. Now, these people that listening, they could be at the very beginning stages. They could be they could be 20, they could be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, but one blanketed, just a little bit of words of wisdom from you. You're enough. You are enough just the way you are. Like you have it inside of you to do this healing work. Um, you have been conditioned to be a different person than your authentic self and your authentic self is always in there. So a lot of people say it's scary. Like, who will I become? You've always been there. You just feel consistent and you feel better and you become this parent. You've always wanted to be connected to your kids, emotionally regulated, right? <laughs> but you're enough. Absolutely. That is very well said. I don't think I could have said it any better. Well, thank you so much for coming and thanks for being on the show. We much appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And for everybody out there listening, remember what she said. You are absolutely enough right here, right now, just the way you are. Thank you so much for joining us. Now I look for the record button. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.